mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, The Water. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 17. Here now, Pastor Moody. Revelation twenty-two seventeen, the Bible said, And let him that's thirsty come, and whosoever will, let him take the water. Let him take the water of life freely. This message was born in my spirit out of a realization while praying, a realization of necessity. Necessity. How many knows what a necessity is? A necessity is not an option. Something you have to have. Can you say amen? It's a need. Glory to God. And there are some things that believers must experience to be saved and then maintain to live and thrive in it or to make it. We can survive without a lot of things that we've deemed necessary, which are really just instruments of comfort. I want to tell you, you can survive days without food. How many is finding that out? You can survive without creature comforts. A lot of things that people think are absolutely essential. A lot, there's a whole generation of young people right now believe that if you take their smartphone, they'll die. But I've got a word from them from, uh, for them from God. You'll not surely die if they take your smartphone. Amen? A lot of people think they'd die without Facebook. Got a word from God. You live for it for years before they, with it, for years before they invented it. It won't kill you. Can you say amen to give up Facebook? Hallelujah. Woo, I'm preaching now. But I want to tell you there's other things that you can do without. Lots of things. I could have said a lot of things. Things, you know, there are people that think they can't live without drugs. I want to say addicted people. You may be addicted in this building this morning to something, some kind of drug. You think you can't make it without it or a habit. I don't never say a lot about this, but I'll say it. Whether it's cigarettes or dipping or chewing or whatever your habit may be, and I don't condemn anybody for that. I used to have that habit. But I've found something that can set you free. Glory to God. I want to tell you, you can get loose. Tell somebody you can get loose. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. I say it, man. I feel the Holy Ghost. God said, say it again. I want to say it. You can get loose. There's power in the river. There's power in the spirit. There's power in the water. Can I shout it? The Holy Ghost power is greater than drug addiction. The Holy Ghost power is greater than alcoholism. Yep, the Holy Ghost is greater than addiction to pornography on the internet. The Holy Ghost is greater than lust. The Holy Ghost is greater than anything you might be bound with. Give him a shout of praise if you believe it. Glory, glory, glory. Oh, got to hurry. Got to preach our message in 20 minutes. Somebody pray for me. Hallelujah. Now, the one thing that we can't survive without very long, except it's supernatural, is a pure water source. Thirst is not just an inconvenience. It's a potential killer. I want to say that without water, you'll die. Same thing physically applies spiritually. 
Without the water, you'll die. Without the Spirit of God, you'll dry up and die in your experience. I want to tell you that there's multitudes of people around this people planet, places like Africa and Southeast Asia and other places, but Adam Asia, they got food. Your ministry there would be needful, but not as needful as the need for pure water. You see them all the time on television and ads. I've been there. See them with bloated bellies, sick unto death because water wasn't pure. Are you hearing me? I've been in cities of over of millions of people, Mexico City, somewhere around 10 million, Cairo, Egypt, somewhere around 12 million. I've been in great cities, bigger than the cities of America, where there was no pure water source, where sewage ran through ditches down the open, in the open on the street, and then eventually made its way into the rivers, into the streams. The water's polluted. People are sick and dying. Diseases that have been conquered in the United States years ago by vaccination are running rampant in foreign countries. The answer is they need pure water. Somebody help me preach. I've come to tell you today that America is being diseased. We're being diseased with sin. I won't preach on them again. I preach on them enough. I guess, oh, why not? We're being diseased with pornography. We're being diseased with lust and adultery and fornication. Divorce is destroying the moral fabric of the country and the church. Somebody help me. I know sometimes divorce is necessary, but it's never the will of God. If God can move, you ought to let him. Somebody preach with me right there. I want to tell you drugs. I want to tell you violence. I want to tell you this thing of children being raised not to respect elders and respect authority. It's dangerous to work in the school system because most kids got heathens for parents. Oh, I didn't say that, did I? Yes, I did. They know nothing about discipline. They know nothing about training up a child to be productive in a society that's on its way to hell anyway. America's diseased. The answer is not Oprah. The answer is not some self-help make you feel good guru. But the answer is there is a river. The streams where I make glass the city of God, the tabernacles of the Most High. And Ezekiel said, wherever the river goes, whoever it touches shall live. Glory to God. Give him praise if you would. I'm preaching on the water. Hallelujah. The water. Tell somebody's preaching on the water. Glory. I started to look into this. And in Psalm 46 and 4, He's talking about when trouble comes, when the mountains move, when the earth shakes. Then he says, there is a river, the streams where I make glad, the city of God. Listen, the holy place. That's particularly talking about the church. This river can change the world, but it certainly has to change the church. It has to be the life source of the church. Sir, your answer is not Wall Street. Your answer is not your bank account. Your answer is not your job security. Your answer is not your family security. All of those things are the residue and the side effects of the favor of God. You must have the river. Come on. You must have the Spirit of God. Where there's no river, there's death. I don't care how you dress it up, paint it up, make it look good. Society has called us fanatics. They've called evil right and, and, and they've called good evil They've they've looked down on us. They've snubbed their noses at us. But I want to tell you, it's the church that's going to save the world. (laughs) Oh, dear God, I'm not saying it right. It's a river 
flowing, anointed, effective church that will stem the tide of sin, stem the tide of corruption, stem the tide of of violence. I don't care who's in power in Washington. means nothing to me. Amen. I vote for the one that I think votes closest to the Bible. I don't care what his label is. But I know that's not my answer. My answer is there is a river. The water. Whosoever will. I can drink from it daily. It can flow in me daily. I can touch somebody daily. God give us a Holy Ghost outpouring in the church world today. Hallelujah. Revelation 22, the last things John is seeing. He saw all that's going to happen. Do you understand? He saw two-thirds. Say that with me. Two-thirds of the world's population die under the judgments, the vials, the thunders of the wrath of God. Some of them dying under the hand of the Antichrist. We'll see maybe as much as three-fourths to nine-tenths of the nation of Israel destroyed under the Antichrist. A remnant will be saved. Somebody say a remnant. A little bit saved for Abraham's sake. We see the rivers and the oceans turn to blood. We see life and the world as we know it. Rock and reel and devastated. We see the heavens black as sackcloth. And the earth as dark as, as death itself. We see a time in Revelation. And in Matthew 24 and in Luke 21. That our Savior would say this. Never been a time like it before. Never been a time like it again. They called it, uh, Jeremiah did the time of Jacob's trouble. But it's a time that will rock the world. Then in the end, Revelation. Woo, I'm about to blow up up here. Revelation 22 and 1, he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Listen, the only hope for a world is look up. The only hope for Kentucky is look up. The only hope for you is look up. And if you get your eyes focused on Jesus, there's a river flowing right out of the throne of God that'll give you life and change everything. Glory to God. Whew. God, I feel the preacher in me this morning. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river, there was a tree, somebody say, of life. Of life. You know what that tells me? You get in the river. You flow with the river. And on either side of that river, there's the tree of life. Not just one, but wherever you go, there's life. In this thing, I can grab life. Along this way, I grab life. When I get down, sometimes I shake hands with somebody and it gives me life because they got the anointing and two of us are in agreement. When I flow in this river, I walk into a place and I hear a word that gives me life. This morning, I walked into my den and I turned on the TV. Jensen Franklin was on. He started talking. About 21 days, they're fasting and praying. He began to speak things that spoke life to me. I began to shout in my den. I began to praise God. Did you hear me? Tongue started coming out. I'm going to tell you, I'm in a river. I can grab the tree of life anytime I want to. I can pick up a Bible and read it, and the devil can't stop me from getting some life. Are you hearing me, Tommy? Any two of us can agree together, touching any one thing. Two or three of us can get together all the hustle in the name of Jesus, and life begins to happen. Death begins to be defeated. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? God has given the victory to us. Woo! Hallelujah. Oh, I'm wanting to go down a rabbit trail. 
Stay with me a minute. If you don't know what that is, that's going somewhere you hadn't planned to go when you're preaching. And uh, I was thinking, I was studying this week. And I began to read about Adam in that Garden of Eden. In that garden, everything he needs. Loving, beautiful wife. He couldn't cheat on her. There wasn't nobody to cheat with. He didn't have to worry about her going out on him. There wasn't nobody to go out with. In that, in that garden, he's got dominion. Lions bow down before him. And he can talk with them. And they say, Sir Adam, what would you have me to do today? He had authority over him. That's my, that's my understanding of him. He could speak to birds. They would fly around him. Sir Adam, we're under your control. He named them all. He had to be able to talk to them. I'm not talking about Dr. Doolittle. I'm talking about the Bible. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Adam had it all. He had fruit trees. God, almighty God, spoke to him and said, you can have everything. It's all yours. Oh, God, we're trying to find it in the world, and God's saying it's yours. God's saying it's yours. That devil's still doing the same mess today he did to Adam. Well, you don't need to go to church. You need to go here and there and do that. You don't need to read the Bible. You don't need to live right. You need to drink a little, smoke a little, dope a little, cheat a little, lie a little. It's okay. You're under the blood. It's all your grace covers it. You're good. It's a lie right out of the pit of hell. It's all yours, Adam. Just one thing. Isn't that pretty good? People have trouble with that, but people have trouble with God all the way around because God gives you a paycheck and he gives you a tithe. And he said, the tithe is whole in his mind. If you touch it, didn't say if you take it, said if you touch it. If you misuse it, if you manipulate it, you come under a curse and I guarantee you, you'll be broke or something bad will happen. I wouldn't even say that God did. Well, preacher, I'm still doing pretty good. Really go home and take an inventory today if you ain't tithing. Ask yourself, how's my marriage? How's my, not just my finances, but my family? How, how's my health? How, how's my peace of mind? Oh, I'll, I'll go on. I, I, there I am mean, chasing another rabbit. Let, let me go on. But when you tithe, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out so much you can't handle it. Adam, you can have it all, but there's one thing you can't touch, and it's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The day you look at it, the day you touch it, the day you eat it, you're dead. You know what happened? Satan come along, he deceived the woman, she was the weaker vessel, and she gave it to Adam and he didn't eat. Now, people want to blame Eve, but they too were one flesh. Come on, it was a corporate sin, a conspiracy, if I might say. And so they took it and they died. They're dead today. And I begin to think like this, the dominion that God gave Adam was intended for us. So the conspiracy took place, Satan and a third of the fallen angels. They deceived Adam and then Eve. And then as you read through the Bible, and I'm going to just stay with this and forget the message. Maybe, I don't know. When you read through the Bible, then as things progressed, they went through a dispensation of conscience and it got worse. And then those third of the angels that fell from heaven embodied themselves and cohabitated, had sexual relationships with the daughters of men. And there were half demon, half people that were born. Oh, preacher, that sounds crazy. 
crazy. No, they were called giants in your Bible. Or is anybody hearing me? And it got so bad that by the time Noah got here, that God saw that the righteous seed from Adam, amen, that came through Seth, was all the other seed of the world was corrupted by these demons. And there was one line of righteous seed that the Messiah could be born from. So God said, I'm going to destroy man. And one man, Noah, watch this, doesn't say he was perfect, said it was perfect in his generations. In other words, you could trace his genealogy back to Adam and Eve. There wasn't no devils involved in their bloodline, Brother Orville. And suddenly, God chose Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives. And it doesn't matter if the sons' wives were corrupted or not because they, the seed, comes through the man. Can you say amen? Oh, I'm preaching pretty good right here. And so God then put them in the ark, destroyed every human being except eight souls. And out of those eight souls... The Bible said after they come out and they begin to multiply and populate and Tower of Babel happened. I'm, I know I'm preaching a lot of Bible here. And in those days there was a man by the name of Peleg, P-E-L-E-G. And the scripture said in his day was the earth divided. If you ever look at a globe of the world, you can see that all the continents look like the big pieces of a puzzle that if you could move them, they go back into one landmass. Dr. Dumbbell at the university will tell you that it happened over the ice age in billions of years and the plates of the earth moved, blah, 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 blah. But your Bible says God divided the earth in that day and separated the languages and that's why they speak different dialects on different continents. What are you saying? I'm telling you there's been a great conspiracy trying to take over the dominion of the earth from man. Well Adam gave it to the devil. Let me me fast forward. Then Jesus came amen. Very man, very God no sin, no flaw never sinned, never had an evil thought, never told a lie. One a deadhead preacher I heard one time said Jesus like any other child said he stole marbles, told lies, cheated on tests. I said, you're a liar and the truth ain't in you. Are you here? I said, you're the liar and the thief, not my Jesus. The Bible said he knew no sin, Alice Whitaker, and, and amen. But on the cross, he went there and became sin, took on our sin. Why? Because Satan knew that, you know why Satan tempted Jesus? You know why he tempted him in in the wilderness before he started his ministry? And then all through his ministry, he tried to get him to, you know, he he, he falsely accused him through priests and Pharisees and liars that they brought together. You know why? He was trying to get Jesus to turn away from his purpose and fall under his control. That's why he offered him the world. Because Satan knew, amen, that if he comes to power, I'm going to lose control. But Satan's not as smart as everybody thinks. Because if it had been, Peter said they wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have killed the prince of life. And when Satan allowed them and motivated them and moved them to take Jesus and nail him to a cross, can I tell you what he did? He lost his dominion because he committed the murder of the only innocent man that ever was. Are you? And his power was gone. Can I shout it this morning? Satan has no dominion over anything anymore. You might say, preacher, then why is he doing what he's doing? It's because we have not got up into our rightful spot and picked up the weapons God's gave us and dominated that devil down to the ground. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. It's the church. That's the body. 
Does anybody know what the 18th Amendment to the Constitution was? The 18th Amendment, if I understand it right, was the one that brought about prohibition. Is that right? Well, the thing was, it was under that amendment, that there was a man in government that had the authority to execute the law. The problem was, he was a whiskey maker. He owned the booze business. Him and a man with another name you might remember, last name, Joseph Kennedy. And what they was doing was stockpiling, warehousing all the liquor that they could get. And Kennedy was buying all the liquor out of Canada because they didn't have prohibition. Now, I'm not preaching against Kennedy. Personally, I think John Kennedy was a good man, a good president. Let me put it that way as far as good goes. And when prohibition was over, then they flooded the market. Thus, the Kennedys became billionaires, and that's how you even know their names today. Preacher, it's shocking me. I ain't here to give you a history lesson on those people. I'm here to tell you that the problem was we had a law, but it wasn't enforced. So it became a dead letter. See about here what I'm saying. When you look at our three branches of government, you've got the legislative, which writes the laws. You've got the judicial, that has the power to interpret the laws. And then you've got the executive, that's supposed to uphold the Constitution. That's why when he swears in... Come here, Brian. You're the new president. Lay your hand on that book right there. Do you solemnly swear to support, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States? So help you, God. I do. Thank you, sir. <laughs> now, 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 here's our problem. The Constitution of the United States is probably the most perfect and greatest and powerful legal document ever put to paper. But today, if you stand on that, you're called a fanatical constitutionalist, which means we've got a bunch of liberal nuts in both houses of Congress and both parties and in the White House and on the Supreme Court who write opinions that kill the authority of the letter. Am I making a good representation here? But we are the church. We are the body. And Jesus said, if you believe on me, as the scripture said, out of your belly shall flow rivers out of the body of Christ. In the wilderness with Moses, there was a rock that followed him in the wilderness. Paul tells us plainly in Corinthians, that rock was Christ. Now, that rock couldn't sustain him. You can't eat a rock. You can stand on it. You can hide under the shade, by the shade of it if it's big enough. You can sharpen your sword on it, but you can't eat it. So the rock that followed them in the wilderness was Christ. And what happened was that rock, everywhere they went, somewhere around three million people in a desert where there's no water. Am I preaching all right? 
amen, as long as they followed the cloud and listened to the man of God, out of that rock every day, there was a river of water that flowed that kept them alive. Now, hear what I want to say. I didn't say that so much for you to get in the flow. I said that for you to realize you're the body, you're the rock. And Christ is the head. And if the world ever feels the river, it'll be from us. If they ever drink from the water, it'll be from us. It won't be from these backslidden, falling away from God, half-dead churches, preachers, and denominations that deny there even is a Holy Ghost. Now, I ain't just talking about speaking in tongues here, so don't start bucking and jumping. I'm talking about letting life flow out of us to cleanse the black heart of a dead world. Why, preacher, you act like you can save somebody. No, 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 no. But you can't get saved till you come to the cross, accept and acknowledge what Christ did there. Amen. Believe the shed blood is the power to cleanse you. And then the water that flowed from his side and from the throne will flow into you. But do you understand? Jesus said this water is not just a well of salvation to drink from. Do you know Psalm? I believe it's Psalms 110 said that even Jesus drank from the brook. There was a brook that was referred to in the Old Testament as an intermittent spring. It means it showed up here and there. Is that all right? It showed up in David's life. It showed up in Elijah's life. It showed up in Isaiah's life, in Moses. Different. It's called intermittent. Every now and then water came out. And so Jesus, said, it talks about him there. I believe it's in Psalms 110. It talks about all the things that he'll do. It's about seven verses. And in the last verse, it said he drank from from the brook. Are you hearing me? He drank from the brook. But then the Bible said, with joy in Isaiah, prophesying of this day, you'll draw from the wells of salvation. So it's not an intermittent drink, and it's not just that everybody can go to the public well now of salvation and drink, but then Jesus told the woman at the well, if you drink of that water, you'll thirst again. Drink what I thirst, you'll never thirst. It'll be in you a well of water, of living water, springing up in the everlasting life. Am I preaching good then in John chapter 7, he stood on the great day of the feast and said, if any man hunger or thirst, let him come unto me. And then he said, thank God that if you do, that out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. Are you hearing me? God's called us to refresh and quench the thirst of the dying world around us. It's the water. It's the Spirit. It's the Holy Ghost. People get too smart for it. Too, what's the word I want to say? They're too, I don't know, too uppity, too uh, arrogant, and you know, it's beyond civilized. What is that word I'm looking for there? You know, they're kind of, I don't know, sophisticated. Thank you, Holy Ghost. We're just too sophisticated. For a move. We're too sophisticated to cry. We're too sophisticated to shout. Old Don Brinkle back in the 60s, I think, went out west in Oklahoma to a church and had a revival and it broke out. Brinkle was the best Holy Ghost preacher I've ever seen, still is. And old Brinkle was preaching that meeting and it broke loose and busted into five or six weeks of revival. And 
Hundreds were saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. It changed the whole area. Some years later, he went back to that place and they'd replaced the pastor. And, and he said, the service started. I preached three nights and he said, it's dead as a hammer. He said, the music was dead. It was like an oppression hovered over the church. He said, I couldn't pray through it. Couldn't break through it. Couldn't preach it off. He said, I tried three nights and said, finally the fourth day, he met with the pastor and said, brother, I said, I think I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to call the meeting off, and I'm going to move on. And he said the preacher seemed a little relieved that he said that because he wasn't liking his preaching no way. And he said, well, Brother Brinkle, said, why do you feel like leaving? He said, well, said, I was here when the river erupted in this place, and something's wrong here. said, I can't get in. People don't shout. They don't cry. They never come to the altar. Nobody's raising a hand. Ain't nobody spoken tongues since I've been here. So there's nothing here. said, I don't know what's going on. So this place is under an oppression. And he said, and I, I can't break it. So I just feel like leaving. I got other places to go where I can get something done. And he said, the pastor said, oh, brother, everything's fine. Preach on. Said, you don't understand. Said, we've elevated this church. He said, you've elevated? He said, oh, yeah. Said, we've got too deep for those things. We're too deep for a cry, too deep for a shout. We're too knowledgeable to carry on with all that stuff. And, and Brother Brinkle said he just kept saying how deep they was. And finally he said, I got frustrated in my spirit and said, Pastor, please pardon me just a moment, sir. But you all ain't deep. My God, man, y'all are stuck. Y'all are stuck. You're buried to the axles, man. You ain't getting out. He said, if you don't have a move of God, I don't care how smart you are, you'll die in this. You'll die in it. So the church is at the place. Come on, Nick. I, I haven't said it right. I feel so inadequate, but here's what God showed me. God showed me that old man on Patmos. <laughs> Davy was the oldest one left, wasn't he? <laughs> it's all dead but John. Blind and deaf, they'd boiled him in oil. They thought they'd shut him up, exiled him to Patmos. He just wouldn't die because everybody they boiled in oil died. They was torturing saints, but old John wouldn't die. Can I tell you something? You ain't going to die as long as God's got a half ounce of use for you. You ain't going to die. Some people are dying because God ain't got no use for them. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. No, don't smoke it. Just think about it. Here I go, preaching against it and promoting it. Forgive me, Jesus. See? Isn't it good we have this treasure in this old vessel that can mess up every now and then? I want to say it again. If God's got a half ounce use for you, you ain't going to die. If you ain't letting God use you, you might be a step away from death. You better start praying. So old John, he's, how old was he, Dave? A hundred? Was he 120? He's on the Isle of Patmos. Blind and deaf. Can't see or hear nothing, but on the Lord's day, he was in the spirit. <laughs> the Lord showed me this, and he turned and he saw Jesus standing in the middle of them lampstands, which represented the seven churches which, of Asia, which were representative of the complete church age, including the Richmond House of Prayer in this age. And he saw him standing in the midst of there, and he saw the stars in his hands, which was the pastors in the hand of Jesus. And John's on the Isle of Patmos and he sees Jesus and Jesus says, I'm going to begin to show you things. Showed him the church things. He said, write down what the things which are, what you, what, you, what you have seen, what you're seeing right now, things of the church, the church age. 
And then the things hereafter, Revelation 1.19, that's the three-part division of the book of Revelation. If you don't understand that, you'll never understand Revelation. First part is John's introduction to Jesus. The second part is chapters 2 and 3 is the things of the churches. And then from Revelation 4 and on, it begins with the church being in heaven after the rapture and the tribulation. Is anybody hearing me? At the end of this, John sums it up and he's looking back. God help us. The Lord showed me that old man standing there thinking, looking back. Oh, I've never thought of it like this at the end. He's just saw death, destruction, hell on earth. The judgment of God fiercer than any man could ever imagine on the world. This thing looks like des- it looks like desolation and death. And he's standing there looking back and thinking, oh. But the Lord had said to him in the beginning, blessed is the man that reads and keeps the prophecy of this book. And if any man takes away any part of it, I'll take his part out of the book of life. I'll write your name out of the book of life if you change the book of Revelation. And if any man adds anything to it, I'll add to him all the plagues that are written in that book. What's God saying? God's saying this is my revelation for humanity to understand. Are you listening to me? To understand that the, the damnation of God is coming upon everything in this world that's not covered by the blood. Plain and simple. You can make excuses. You can dance around it. You can play around with it. You can, you can say, I'm going to live like I want to live. You'll be right in the middle of that mess. You'll miss the rapture, and you'll have to go through hell on earth. And you'll die lost. If you don't believe that, meet me after church, and I'll give you chapter and verse. But I'm watching this old man. I'm praying. I'm seeing him sitting back there in that office. Just caught up in the thought of this. And I see that old man with no eyes. He's looking up and he hears a voice talking to him. And he says, and then all of a sudden I see the river. And it's the water of life and it's coming out of the throne. And God says, you better tell him. Everybody that's thirsty. You better tell the church to scream this out. You better tell the preachers to preach this. You better invite them to come. Everybody that will, let them come and take the water. Because there ain't no life nowhere else. It ain't in the glittering lights of Las Vegas. Young boys, all of you that's over six foot tall, you listen to this old gray-haired preacher. It ain't in a contract with the NBA. You big stocky-shouldered brutes, it ain't in a contract with the NFL. You that are delicate of foot and can stand up, it's not in a contract with the NHL, the hockey league. It ain't in Hollywood. It ain't in the country music industry. It ain't in the rock business. Oh, let me get down where you live, sir. It's not in your stock portfolio. It's not in getting that job and that career. Those things are good in themselves. But if you get all that and don't drink the water, you're damned to hell. And to a life of misery. A saved man without the river is like a lost man in a desert, slowly perishing. It's the water. The water. The water. Wherever it goes, there's life. Whoever it touches, 
Zechariah said, it doesn't matter if it's winter or summer, it's life around the river. Doesn't matter if it's a good time or a bad time, that's what that means. A hard time or a flourishing time, there's life. Stand with me. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. And said I. We hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.